Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is what we call a three technique. This is what we call a three technique. On the ride with Royce. Three to shoot. That man never out of sync. Andre Jackson, the Ramblers pull off the upset 65-59. All right. You know what we're doing today, boys? What? We are teaching sports. I love this. We are teaching sports. Uh, Loyola Ramblers last night upset Florida in Gainesville, 65-59. Andre Jackson, the guy you just heard about, he had 23. It was the first time that uh, Loyola had defeated a team that was in a top 25 team since 1994, I believe I saw that stat. But what neither of you guys know is the Loyola Ramblers were the 1963 NCAA basketball champion. Come on. And uh, their star was Jerry Harkness, and they defeated Cincinnati 60-58. to Now the big O was gone. Sure. But Cincinnati was the two-time defending national champion. And Loyola defeated them sixty to fifty-eight. So back then, uh, Cincinnati didn't rebuild; they just reload. They uh, Cincinnati Holy did cow. just rebuild. But uh, George Ireland was the coach, Loyola, uh, in Chicago, and I don't think they were in a conference. I think it was just, they were an independent back then. So they got invited as an independent. They used to invite eight or nine independents, most of them from the east, but. Uh, they 1963. They beat Tennessee Tech, Mississippi State. They beat Tennessee Tech 111 to 42. Mississippi Oof. State, Illinois uh, had to be the Big Ten champ because he only took champs back That's right, then. Yeah. Duke. They beat Duke. <laughs> Yay. 94, 75, and then Cincinnati. But uh, then 1964, they're back in. Uh, they got beaten the Sweet 16 by Michigan, 84 to 80. Uh, 1966. Uh, they were in again, and they lost to Western Kentucky, 105-86. And you know who was the star of that Western Kentucky team? Clem Haskins. Oh, wow. What? Clem Haskins. They went again in 1960. Clem could shoot it. I was just going to say, I remember Clem you telling us that. Shoot it. Yeah. Mm. Clem could shoot it. Now, Clem could coach defense. He just couldn't play it. But he coached defense. <laughs> he coached the hell out of it. Oh, yeah. He was an observer. <laughs> you know. 1968, uh, they got beat in the tournament. They were been, they've been in one once in the last 50 years. Uh, in 1985, 
they uh, actually lost to Georgetown in the Sweet 16. But Loyola, now here's the good news. Their coach, I got to do this too. This is going to be a little long here. I got to get moving. Peter Moser is their coach. And he's been there seven years, but he's a disciple of, come on, where is it? Which coaching tree does he fall from? Rick Majerus. Wow. Rick Majerus. Where is it? Well, damn it, I lost the story, but the I, I ran into a story on Peter Moser, uh, Porter Moser, excuse me, Porter Moser, and he was talking about Majerus and the kind of guy he was, and he talked about they were in Richmond for a game when they were in St. Louis together, and he walks in and there's a, a, a six-foot, 300-pound uh, porter, uh, porter uh, a uh, you know bellhop there, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's an African American gentleman, and uh, Rick Majerus walks over to him and says, uh, "Hey, uh, sir, what is the best? What is your favorite barbecue joint in Richmond, Virginia?" And the <laughs> gal, the white gal behind the uh, counter. Uh, you know, at the front desk says, oh, Mr. Majerus, glad to see you. Uh, and, and I could recommend a restaurant. And he said, he held his hand up and said, uh, thanks. Thank you, ma'am. But when I'm looking for a rec- rec- restaurant recommendation, I look, I, I'm going to talk to a guy that looks like him, yeah. not like <laughs> you. <laughs> that's awesome. So anyway, that's the coach. One of the enduring questions is, why did Ron Meyer leave then? He left behind a national championship caliber team. I thank each and every one of you for your support and your loyalty. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to have a, a great job at SMU. Uh, Ron Meyer has died, and uh, we found out why he left. The big mystery, why would he leave? Well, the death penalty was about to yeah, come down. Yeah, that little uh, we, thing. He was, uh, he's very big in that wonderful uh, 30 for 30 on that. Ended up uh, coaching the uh, Patriots and the Indianapolis Colts. Was actually a hell of a football coach. Started at UNLV uh, when they were uh, in Division Two. Uh, had a good year, moved to SMU in 1976, and brought the Mustangs to natural, national prominence with the help of running backs Eric Dickerson and Craig James. Uh, and uh, uh, and uh, Eric Dickerson said, I'm devastated to hear the passing of my coach and great friend Ron Meyer. My mom and I love Coach Meyer. He was a great man. And, of course, they all love them because they're because all getting they're paid. Because they're getting paid, but, right. Uh, <laughs> SMU football. Meanwhile, they lost their coach, Chad Morris, uh, who went to Arkansas, even though he's, what, 14 and 21 or something was his record at SMU. Oh, wow. That that is how bad uh, of event, uh, how bad SMU football has become in the the, uh, area of interest because uh, they, they didn't make the cut for the Big 12. They took TCU and Baylor instead of SMU, and that left uh, SMU, and the, they were in the whack for a while. They've been out of the, uh, the, the you know, they, the Big 12 came into existence in uh, 1995, and SMU wanted to get in it, and they didn't get in it, and uh, it's been a week of football ever since. They're down in six. Oh, Peppers. Julius Peppers coming through. Fifth all-time leading snacker in the history of pro football. Gets another sack right there. 
Uh, Julius Peppers will be facing the uh, Vikings again on a Sunday. Uh, faced him, of course, often with Green Bay. And uh, the guy's amazing. He's got a bunch of sacks again this year. They only use him on third downs. But hes I think it's more amazing to see him still rushing the passer at age 37 yeah. than it is to see Terrence Newman still playing halftime at uh, – you know, as a as a defensive back for the Vikings, but they're the two oldest defenders in the, in league. the NFL. Yeah. And uh, Julius Peppers historically has owned the Vikings every mm-hmm. time they've gone up to whether it's Green Bay or Chicago. Carolina or Chicago. Yep. He I has see, always performed did well I against see the eight Vikings. And a half sacks? Yeah, he this had year. eight and a half this yeah. year. Yeah, sounds about right. He's an absolute he's freak only, he only of nature. He has to play on third down now. So, uh, yep. and the Packers they even use it. They had him playing a linebacker there for a while. In but that he, three four, yeah. He had a uh, he's. he's uh, I don't think it'll. You have to debate too long whether you're going to put him in the Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, he'll be there. What I find amazing too is how good of a basketball player he was at North Carolina. Yeah, Carolina he was yeah. good. He was in the starting lineup. Hmm. Well, uh, Dean. Uh, you know, you think Dean could have won with him, huh? <laughs> like he did with Michael Jordan, and, uh, Sam Perkins, and James Worthy. Uh, and uh, who else? Jimmy Black and uh, Matt Doherty, that team that won. All right, we'll be back. Kevin Seifert. You're on the ride with Royce. He's too fast. It should be illegal. Just <laughs> too fast. On 1500. ESPN. Talking Purple with Kevin Seifert today is presented by Mystic Lake. Calling all football fans. Don't miss Thursday Night Lights all season long at Mystic Lake. You can find the details online at mysticlake.com. Talking Purple right now on the ride with Royce. Kevin Seifert from ESPN. It's Kevin Seifert. Here with Kevin Seifert. We have ESPN's Kevin Seifert. It's ESPN.com's NFL Nation reporter Kevin Seifert. Presented by Mystic Lake. Kevin, it's not looking good for uh, Ryan Shazier, the uh, great uh, Pittsburgh linebacker. Uh, spinal stabilization surgery, and uh, that's not uh, that's that's a little frightening. Yeah, and I was, you know, obviously neither one of us are doctors. We don't know, you know, the details of it. But when if you judge it based on the um, the shortness of the yes. press releases that are being put out, it's concerning and. You know, if they had better news to report, they would be reporting it. And the fact that they're just today, I think it was a one sentence thing saying he has surgery to for spine stabilization. That's concerning. And you put that in combination with his dad, um, you know, doing a fair amount of tweeting about praying for his son and all that. And, and you get the idea that at the very least, there's some very serious things uh, being worked on on him in the hospital in Pittsburgh. And so. Don't know the way it's going to go, uh, but clearly, if if there had been dramatic progress since he was wheeled off yeah. the field, uh, they would have told us about it. Uh, Kevin, uh, the uh, NFL, because of PR like this and other things, even though this has nothing to do with targeting, uh, apparently is headed in that direction to uh, uh, call targeting. Uh, penalties and uh, and eject people from the games. I, my problem with the way the colleges do it is that they always do it with the assumption that it was targeting. That first of all, they're overly generous in throwing the flags, right? Yeah. yeah. And then it's always with the assumption that the benefit of the doubt always seems to go that well, they called it targeting on the field, so we can't really 
see a hundred percent that's not targeting. So we'll call it. I, I I I wouldn't see anything wrong with the NFL doing that, but I think they have to uh, have a little more objective look at it than they're getting in the uh, colleges. Yeah, and the problem is the NFL uh, replay. Um philosophy is supposed to be the same as what you're referring to for college which was only correct the obvious mistakes and so um it's it's really hard at full speed to see you know whether a guy um truly made contact above the shoulder and so you say okay well that you know we'll look at replay to, to make sure but if the if the replay philosophy is only to correct it if it's a clear and obvious mistake then you're going to have a lot of gray area my i'm not convinced the nfl is going to do this um, number one, uh, they don't have their, in their replay system. They don't take into account any judgment calls, no uh, pass interference, no holding, yeah, yeah, um, right. and and no, no defenseless player hits. And so this would be a tremendous philosophical change for them for it to be on replay. And you can't do it without replay. So that that's one big thing. And the other thing is the NFL does not like to uh, to eject its star players from the games. They want them on the field. Uh, there's been more ejections this year, but they've all been for fighting and for uh, non contact with officials. It, there's been no ejections this year for hits above the, the shoulder, dirty hits, whatever. Even Rob Gronkowski was not ejected last week. So <laughs> that's another huge philosophical change the NFL would have to absorb. So I'm not going to – Vince, they're going to do it. But if you ask somebody in a pu- who's speaking publicly, "Hey, are you going to talk? Are you going to consider a rule that might keep players safe?" Then yes, uh, they're going to say yes. Of course, we're going to look at it this off season. And so we'll see if they do or not. Uh, may it would be a major, major change for the way the NFL does business. But maybe after games like the other night, they don't. They might not feel like they have a choice. They might feel like they need to make a more dramatic step to try to keep. Um, players from from hitting each other in that way yeah and it's more cheap shots than uh i mean that that game was more cheap shots than oh, actual yeah. targeting i mean that was just okay we can, how can we hurt each other here so yeah, I, yeah. I, I i think once the philosophy becomes that you're not going to worry about a targeting penalty and an ejection you've you've gone off the deep end in a game that uh it's easy to go off the deep end in which is so weird because you think of colleges as having these great rivalries and, you know, you know, yeah. Michigan and Ohio State hate each other, USC, UCLA hate each other, you know, different SEC teams. The NFL is, there's, the fans hate each other, but yeah. there's not many <laughs> rivalries where people actually go into it more primed to, than they are in any other game, uh, from, from a player perspective. And even this week, Ben Roethlisberger was talking about how Steelers Ravens is really kind of calmed down. Um, and it's yeah. really only Steelers uh, Bengals now that has any sort of raised, uh, legitimately raised ire, um, amongst the players. And you saw what, how that translates. So we'll see. And in the college, uh, we pulled some st- stats for the college targeting rule and, there was more panel, more targeting calls last year than any year since they started. So if the idea was to try to create an environment where over time players are, and coaches are understanding how to operate in that situation, it has not worked. Um, maybe that's harder in college where the guys roll in and out faster, but um, it, I, I'm not even sure if you could say it's been a success in college. Uh, do you think Hugh uh, Jackson should believe it when the Browns tell him he's going to be coach next year? No, I mean they, I think that they. I mean they, 
they went to a relatively dramatic step of putting that in the press release. Yes. You know, it was like Sashi Brown fired as yes. general manager, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, but Hugh Jackson returned in 2018. Uh, you know, if they somehow convince some big time GM or a Peyton Manning or somebody yeah. like that to come in and they say, the only way I'm coming in is if I can hire my own coach, maybe I'm guessing they eat that <laughs> contract, but um, otherwise, uh, you know, and that would probably be the, the number one way in which the commitment today gets reneged. But uh, for the, it would be par for the course for the Browns to, to realize they need a, a, a different type of general manager and then to go try to hire somebody and say, oh, by the way, you got to keep the coach. Yeah. Hey, uh, Libby gave it, Bill Livingston gave us this stat the other day. The Browns are 4 and 45. Going back forty nine games. Now they've only won one in two years. Four and forty five yeah. in the modern NFL. That's impossible. Yeah, you have to really work at that. <laughs> and you know the, the the weird thing is that you know I, I haven't gone through each game, but there haven't been a ton of games where they've just gotten blown out of the water. They've lost some somewhat close games, but they're just like clearly some. It, it's, just, it's a reminder that even the worst teams in the NFL can compete for three quarters and really the fourth quarter is where uh, the good teams can pull away. But um, it's, it's been, I mean, you, you say last year, two off seasons ago, they come up with this, this newfangled idea of the way yes. they want to structure the front office. They hire Hugh Jackson <laughs> and they win one of the next 28 games. And then, I mean, and then fire the new guy who's there for the long term to create this new structure. Yeah, and it's like, and, and, and I don't know that, I mean, you, there's certainly no evidence that it was going to work, but like if you commit to something like that, <laughs> that requires like fundamental overhaul of everything that you do. And you're, you don't even wait until, uh, you know, you, it's, it's almost like there. Somebody put it in on an ESPN story today that you're you're waiting on a long line for a roller coaster, and they didn't even wait till they got to the front of the line to get on the roller coaster <laughs> before they before they decided to leave the line, and so now they go back to the back, and so it's. Uh, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's, if, uh, it's terrible. If you're a Browns fan, if you're Mark Craig, you know there are yeah. there there are Browns fans out there. Uh, you have a right to just be completely bamboozled and depressed. Kevin Seifert's with us at ESPN.com. Kevin, uh, we were just talking about Julius Peppers. That is quite a career, and he's still going at 37. Yeah, and he's playing more because of the Charles Johnson uh, suspension. And so – it's uh, you know he always was just a freakish of, of athletes. I mean I think underrated because he's such an understated personality. But you know you for, people forget about the, the amount of ba- that's when I first saw him was as a basketball player in college. You know mm-hmm. he played he played bad. He was like his bruising power forward in uh, in in for UNC in college basketball. And then it turns out oh yeah this kid plays defensive end too. And it turns out he's uh, you know potential Hall of Fame NFL player and still going strong at 37 and like. If you can at all get after the passer, there's going to be a job for you in the NFL until your until your legs can no longer carry you. Uh, we've been talking about it this week. Uh, you hold the uh, the red the Falcons who thought they had their offense figured out to three field goals, and uh, you hold the Rams to seven points uh, when they came in here as the uh, offensive juggernaut of the league. Uh, that is some serious defense our local fellows are playing. I mean, again, you know it's. You make a list of all the the best assets in the NFL, and yeah, it's hard listen, to find. Yeah. And it's hard to find one that's better than the Vikings' defense um, on either side of the ball, individually or collectively. I mean, they, you know, and then you know they match. They've matched up pretty well against Carolina um, in the times they played Cam Newton as well, and so they, 
you know, that that could potentially be another notch in their belt. They go down to Carolina and shut down Cam Newton if they can do that. And so it's just, it's been remarkable. I mean, it's not, and they don't play the style that draws attention like a 85 Bears or the Ravens, you know, of the Ray Lewis era, but they just choke people. And, uh, and, it's, and it's gaining momentum. I think people are understanding it by the results, but it's not always the flashy plays that draw the attention, but the results have just been incredible. Hey, uh, when did you uh, start covering the Vikings for the Star Tribune? 1999. So uh, did you deal with Ray Anderson then as yeah. uh, Denny Green's uh, agent as yeah. the uh, pressure was mounting on Denny there? Yeah, he, you know, to the extent he would deal with us, yeah, mm-hmm. we, we did. You know, probably more after he went to the NFL. People forget. He's, so he's Denny Green's agent, a lot yeah. of guys, Herm Edwards' agent, a lot of guys. Then he goes to the NFL, and he's basically was in the Troy Vincent job. He was like the number one That's right. football level guy in the league, you know, and he was uh, eventually moved on. But he, I mean, he's had quite a career, and now he's in he's in Arizona at Arizona State and creating like an NFL front office. <laughs> that for, is, uh... as he described it. So we'll see if that works. You know, I, I'm all for people trying to do things differently, and you know, and God forbid if the if the college football purists don't like the idea that we might have a general manager, you know, or general manager uh, structure front, off, it might be different than what we're used to doing. So I'm all for him trying to shake it up, but I um, it, it has been quite a varied career for a guy to go from <laughs> a player agent to an NFL executive to a college athletic director. And you're not one of the hotbeds of uh, college football, and you just paid a guy $12 million to leave so you can have yeah. your experiment to bring in Herm. Right. That is, yeah. uh, I think you're walking the plank right there, Ray, if this well, doesn't work. And his, and the rhetoric was pretty strong. It was, yeah. you know, seven and five is not good enough at Arizona State. <laughs> well, like, how much better is it going to, I mean, like, what, yeah, yeah. is it going to be 11 and one every year? Is that the only way you're going to, you know, I mean, I realize you go for the best, but like, to, to basically to say the next guy that, you know, you, you can't do anything You'll be a failure unless you go eleven and one at uh, at Arizona State. That's a tough message. Uh, thank you, sir. Talk to you next week. Okay, Patrick. Okay, Kevin Seifert, uh, ESPN.com, the NFL Nation blog uh, does uh, fine work there, and uh, we appreciate having him on Thursdays. We shall return with John Hike. Here's Johnny Height for the sports update. <laughs> this update is sponsored by Taco Bell. So easy to dip, so hard to put down. Rolled chicken tacos are back. Shredded chicken all rolled up with your choice of dips only at Taco Bell. Quiet on the local front this evening. The only team playing is the Gopher uh, women's basketball team. 8-1 and one Gophers. They are out on the East Coast where they will be playing the Georgetown Hoyas. Vikings play the Carolina Panthers this Sunday. Uh, yesterday, we found out apparently the Vikings did make a healthy contract offer to nickel cornerback Captain Munderland, and apparently it wasn't enough. Munderland telling Panthers beat reporters yesterday he left millions on the table to sign with the Panthers this offseason. Munderland reportedly signed a four-year deal with Carolina this season worth $21 million, and that included a $6 million signing Was it bonus. so he didn't like us? He hated us up here? Uh, yeah, he left, left millions, he Well, says, wasn't that his original team? Yeah. Carolina? Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, Boy, they're wanna... really missing him on the Vikings defense. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. You want to uh, sit down there and, I guess, Cam Newton's charms were too much to give up. Huh? <laughs> Preparations for the... <laughs> 
2019 NCAA Final Four Men's Basketball what? Championship officially. We don't give a damn. They start tomorrow, Patrick. We got the Patrick. Super Bowl. Tomorrow Let's they start. Let's get the damn Super Bowl out of the way before we worry about this other thing. Tomorrow, the Minneapolis Final Four Local Organizing Committee, that's the official <laughs> title, Minneapolis Final Four Local Organizing Committee will unveil the logo for the tournament. Minneapolis, what is that again, John? Minneapolis, Minneapolis. Final Four Local Organizing Committee. Now, excuse me, uh, Senator, if you are appointed, (laughs) if you are appointed, uh, what will you do? can kiss Senator Ricey's (laughs) big fat rump. We have you on record. Let's get the Super Bowl over with, for God's sakes, you idiots. They're going to unveil the logo logo. for the tournament. Is it going to involve a basketball? (laughs) Not all politicians agree with the future Senator Royce. In fact, Governor Mark Dayton is expected to attend the launch tomorrow. Uh Uh-oh, I need him on my side. I guess I'm okay with this. Now you're back. Now you're back. back. Uh, Richard Petino will also attend the University of Minnesota men's basketball coach. Of course, as Patrick You know what I got to do? I got to get a hold of the prompter for Dayton. So I can just put my, when he goes to make the announcement, (laughs) I'll just put my name on there and he'll just read it, right? Well, you'll do it. I'll be the senator. You'll do it ding ding style, though. You'll cross off whose ever name there is. Just scribble in right. He just just read whatever's in front of him. I think it'll work. As uh, Patrick, I like how fast you you change your mind, though. (laughs) uh, Why are we doing this, Johnny? Well, we got, we got, it's only two months to the damn. Super Bowl, and then we can worry about uh-huh, it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I understand. We need more committees. Oh, yeah. By the way, the final... Mufloch! The final four... <laughs> Same to you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> the final four and the Super Bowl organizing committees have been meeting oh, to compare good. notes and align oh, okay. schedules, All even right. though everything's a year apart. So, uh, The Olympics, uh, there's uh, some question... Whether or not U.S. athletes will be going to be <laughs> That on. came out of nowhere Shane yesterday, by the way, that we might not go to the yeah. Olympics. That came from Sarah whatever. The... No, it came I from... I thought it was Lindsay. Yesterday it was Nikki Haley it came Nikki, from. Oh, that's right. She's Nikki the ambassador Haley, to the yeah. United Nations. She made the announcement saying no final decision has been made. At today's White House press briefing, though, Sarah Sanders said there is still no decision on whether or not U.S. athletes will attend the Olympics. And where you got confused, Chris... Uh, Lindsey Vaughn, getting political, yes. when asked about the Olympics. Okay, okay. She said she's not going to go see Trump if she wins a gold medal. Right. She said she would hope to represent the people of the United States, not the president. Let me, let me make this statement. Yes. And don't consider it to be sexist. Oh, boy. Nikki Haley is easily the best-looking U.N. Yeah. ambassador we've ever had. I don't consider they that have, sexist yeah. at all, Patrick. <laughs> not the at best all. best-looking... Uh, you know what we got to do? Get her a ponytail and a baseball hat, and she'd really look good. <laughs> That's a great look. <laughs> now, that might have been a little sexist. <laughs> ah, every, time I, every time I see her, I, she reminds me of the... Uh, the the spokesman for the the spokesperson for the Minneapolis cops there for a few years. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you cannot get her out of your no, mind. No, I know. I used to pray for murders. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my god. So I could, well, so wow. we could see her on oh, the news. Wait, 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 Senator. To, to clarify, Senator. <laughs> no, I'm you against meant, them. You meant murders just in Minneapolis, uh, right? Well, was no, she the Minneapolis? No. Yeah, she, she was, was Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Yeah. Yes. Well, no, I wanted them to survive. Murder attempts. Like, there you go. Attempted. Attempted, you go. attempted murder. Failed murder attempts. <laughs> Failed assassinations. Boy, those were fun. <laughs> Man, she was cute. Uh, those were fun. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, baseball trade. Mariners have acquired D. Gordon and $1 million in international <laughs> slot money from the Marlins. They give up infielder uh, Christopher Torres and righties Nick Niedert and Robert Duger. Ooh, those guys. We were looking at sample lineups uh, for Seattle. Because we're dorks? Be, it could be pretty salty. Yeah. And by the way, one other trade today, Okafor gets traded to Brooklyn. That's right. Yep. And they had to give up, like, assets to get rid of Okafor. You're kidding. How is it possible... That the Timberwolves didn't take Okafor instead of because that's a, that's a I total mean, was, Timberwolves it would move. Have been 100% yes, one hundred percent Timberwolves. And remember, Flip loved for a while, he loved Jaleel Okafor for a while. over Towns, yeah, and then he, he, he saw Towns work out, yeah, and then he yeah. changed his mind. No, the only thing that would have made it more Timberwolves if they would have drafted Towns, then traded, traded him for Okafor yes. to get another second round draft choice that we could then sell to somebody yes. for fifty thousand. <laughs> Bring back Mister Cot. All right, thank you. You bet. Jerry Zadora covers the Timberwolves for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. How was the trip to the L.A. airport this morning, sir? Well, I got there about uh, 3 a.m., so okay. it, wasn't a, it wasn't a problem. I, well, went, straight from the, I went straight from the arena to the, to the airport and hung around and waited for a 6 a.m. flight. Well, that's uh, probably a good move considering. Uh, so what? The flames. Where where do you see the flames as you're going out to the airport? Is it is the whole horizon there? Uh, no, uh, you know I didn't see any flames, but you could see smoke. I mean, uh, the wolves shot at uh, UCLA yesterday morning, and um, uh, it, it had sprung up overnight. And, uh, until then, it had been up in Ventura mostly, in North mm-hmm. uh, Santa Clarita, and uh, they said that when I was leaving for a shoot, I was staying at the airport, and it was like normally it's probably 20 minutes. It took me an hour and 45 minutes. Wow. Uh, one, because the 405 was closed, yeah. I didn't want to get on it because I didn't want to get stuck in a parking lot. So I just took all the side streets all the way up through Beverly Hills, and those were all crowded. Just snarled everything, and I got to UCLA. And usually, there's a parking garage right by the gym where they they practice. And usually, you can't even find a parking spot. And there were all kinds of them. I couldn't figure it out, and I realized they canceled classes, they canceled <laughs> the game, and wow. it was in Bel Air, so it was like uh, they had roadblocks up all over campus. It was probably a a mile or two away, you could see you could see the um, the smoke at night. I'm sure you could see the flames, but during the day you couldn't. And uh, I just wanted to get. To, I was going to uh, stay a day or two, but I just wanted to get out there as fast as I could, just because it. it uh, you never knew when the next one was going to pop up and what it was going to do for for traffic when you, you're rerouting off. Millions of people. It's a it's a nightmare. Yeah, it was amazing. So the uh, Timberwolves get uh, between sixteen and twenty three points from all five starters. And uh, there was a time when we had a uh, little lower standards for the Timberwolves. And we would always said, "Well, that was a nice balanced attack." But now everybody's paranoid about minutes and uh, and uh, everything else. Nobody nobody back here is uh, happy about this victory. I don't know how the Timberwolves felt about it. Yeah, or, or you know, I guess that's the the, the um, what comes along with high expectations because nobody, you know, any other year, no one would be complaining about being fifteen and eleven, would they? And the uh, the sky is falling. They're they're playing too many minutes, and uh, you know, they certainly haven't put it together yet. Now the yeah. question is whether whether they will, whether you know, in January, or February, they're going to figure out. You talk to all the people in the NBA, you know, ask Doc Rivers about it. Uh, for the game last night, and they also think they will. The question is, how long does it? Uh, how long does it take? And uh, um, you know, basically, how long does it take for guys like Towns and Wiggins to start playing defense, and then for them 
to figure out kind of the pecking order and who gets the shots and when they get them. And, uh, I mean, all he has to do is look at Oklahoma City. They're still struggling to figure it out, too. So it doesn't, it doesn't always come overnight. But uh, um, what were you, like 25, 26 games in? I'm not even, not even sure if it'll come in a, a half a season. But uh, but we'll see. I mean, they've had, uh, you know, they're four games over 500, and they've had a bunch of games that they should have won. You, yeah. you know, the the Memphis game was horrible. So. Yeah, that was bad. So uh, Tibbs was a little testy uh, with your uh, what seemed like a uh, routine question last night. What what gave him the uh, prickly neck? Do you know? Did, did you see the video? I'm not sure yeah. if it was my question. Maybe I'm just annoying. But, um, <laughs> there, there was something. There was something in his bonnet before that. I don't know if okay. it was the th- things that had been written or just that he'd been asked all about it. I know he'd been asked about it on uh, after the Memphis game because um, I know of him. Uh, the big happy, my colleague Kent Youngblood, yeah. had asked him about the, the number of shots. And there, there have been some games this year where um, I can't remember the exact game, but in the last ten days, where um, Collins had, you know, maybe was fifth on the team in shots taken uh, in games, and and a lot of those games, you know, he doesn't seem r- real animated unless he or real energized unless he gets gets the ball and gets gets going early. So I just asked him that, and he. Uh, it was it was one way to uh, end a press conference. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and uh, well, the funny thing is, it could have been answered reasonably. Be- well, one reason being that Memphis double teamed him with Mark Gasol, and uh, and that was not an option for the Clippers. Yeah. He, he could have uh, used that as an answer, but he was obviously testy. Uh, so well, he to- used that a couple times before. Maybe it was just a repetitive question that that mm-hmm. got him because uh, they did say, you know, they they you know they'll get the ball, they'll get shots. Um, you just got to make the right play, and you you, you let come what the uh, what the game gives you. So, hey, did uh, now Butler? I guess Tamarney said something about we got to talk to Tibbs about these forty minutes, but then he kind of uh, laughed about it. Uh, did you did? And that, of course, everybody has seized upon that. Do you think uh, you know you got three days off? Play as many minutes as you got to win the game, right? Well, I took that. I mean, I wasn't there, but I, from what I saw, I, I took that as sort of a something you know that all the people say now they're playing them too many minutes. I, I didn't think it was an indictment of Tibbs. I, I think it was kind of wry, and uh, um, you know, I think it was kind of a poke at the people who were making a big deal about it. But certainly, that is an issue. I mean, you can't sustain this uh, playing seven no, no. guys the, the way they, they are. At least not now. It's funny. I talked to a scout before the. Or during the game last night from um, another team, and you know they said uh, um, they don't think it's even a question whether the Wolves will make the, the playoffs. But it said you know they're, they're a team that's going to probably scare somebody pretty good in the playoffs when you're, you're you know you're playing every other day or every third day, and uh, you, you can go that short and uh, you know still get guys resting like the regular season. So so what's uh, Belly's deal here? I mean, what are they trying to get this? Get it to calm down, heal it. What uh, what what are we dealing with here? Because uh, some of us get a little uh, nervous about Eastern European big men with bad feet for the uh, Timberwolves. Well, the biggest thing I keep waiting for is to make sure that at some point it doesn't change and they find out it's something else than what they've been calling it. You know, the midfoot strain. They they say they're just being precautious. He, they were ramping him up last week. Last a week ago, Wednesday, he said, you know, he started be playing by. Last Friday's game against Oklahoma City, and Thursday he worked it out pretty hard and got soreness. And Tibbs keeps saying, you know, that it's just a matter of um, they don't want it, you know, to, to kind of be back and forth on it, send them out and have it get aggravated, and they're going to have to sit them out more. So they wanted it to be completely uh, 
pain-free and, um, you know, after he works out, not that kind of soreness. And apparently they're not there yet with it. And he, uh, he claims that it's not, you know, he's not worried that it's going to be long-term, but, uh, I think we're eight games and counting now on it. Yeah. Hey, Jerry. He uh, Jerry Zagora is with us. He uh, gave up on playing Shabazz here. How is there any explanation for how horrible he's been? I don't get it. You know, he was in you know the kind of most energetic player in camp way back when in, in San Diego and had a decent preseason. And you know, he was down two hundred twenty pounds. And I don't know if part of it is him putting pressure on himself because you know contract he turned out. He turned down a lot of money from the Wolves, you know, when when Gorgie signed, and uh, uh, now he's playing for the minimum, and you know, trying to prove that he's worth it. And I don't know if he's got it into his head, you know, because Tibbs keeps saying, you know, if you're not scoring, not shooting, just do other things, you know, play defense and do the other things. And he is such a scorer all his life that uh, I don't know if that message has gotten through yet. He thinks he's got a score, and he's putting he's put pressure on himself. But yeah, he's had what four DMPs in the last. Uh, Five games, I think, and uh, you know. And then the question is, what 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 do you do? How long do you wait on it? Um, I mean, they've got other guys who they can try. I mean, certainly not top NBA caliber, but uh, young guys. They've got uh, Marcus Georges Hunt, who's on the on the roster. They've got Anthony Brown signed to the two way contract. There are guys out there. They have a, you know two roster spots. They have the, another two way roster spot open, and they've got one kind of big league roster spot open. And you know, you got dates coming up here like. Um, December 15th, which is a date uh, teams can start trading guys they signed last summer. I'm not sure the Wolves will do that, but uh, but what happens is there's always some deals that that, that shakes out, and then you've got uh, you know 10-day contracts not coming that far after that in early January. So you know, I don't know how long they wait on them or how long they you know either try to make a uh, a move or signing or trade or something or or just play with some other guys that they have just to see what what they got. Right now they're they're asking. Uh, a little bit more of uh, Jamal Crawford and Gorgie Zhang, and then they're, uh, you know, uh, even Tyus went from playing those four games where he was playing 38 minutes. Now he's only playing 10 or 11 a night because the Teague's back. And I saw one last thing. We only got about a minute left here. Patton hasn't played yet, right, for Iowa? I just no, looked at the stats. To, he's supposed to play tomorrow night, okay. I think, because that was the plan. Okay, well, that would be good to get a little, you know, you could get 10 minutes of defense out of him. That would help things uh, later on here, so... That would yeah, be good. I have no idea where where they're uh, at with him, and I don't know if they do either until they get it, see him in some some games and you know get him back here for some practice. I know they like him. I know they like his skill set, but you know he's missed all the summer stuff. He missed all his camp, so I don't know what you can what you can ask of him at this point. Uh, I would assume most of it will be in in the G League, but we'll see. All right, Jerry, uh, we still love you, even if uh, the coach doesn't. So thanks. All right. <laughs> okay ah that was uh i i think i think tibbs and jerry will be just oh fine. they'll patch things up They're just fine you know it's maybe not. he was just so tired from yelling at the players during the course of the <laughs> game all to night pick on poor z yeah, yeah what's wrong leave leave our guy jerry there, alone man's out there fighting fires to get to the game <laughs> right driving to ucla drove straight to the airport to, yes at 3 a.m does Tibbs appreciate that? Hell no! No! All right. Well, you guys have a good Friday football fun fest, and uh, I'll see you Monday. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes. I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Colaguard is non-invasive and it's used at home. 
It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay zero dollars. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you, or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in.